opens up to Matthew chapter 6, and uh, we're going to be going through this. Last Sunday morning, as Sean was ministering, and uh, uh, I was just sitting there in service, and there was another direction I was intending on going, and uh, while I was sitting there in the service, uh, and we had started on Tuesday nights, um, the lesson on prayer, and in this lesson on prayer, uh, Luke chapter 11 and verse 1, it says that Jesus was in a certain place praying, and his disciples were with him. And when he finished praying, the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. And, uh, and so sometimes when we ask things of God, so they didn't really know how to ask it. And they, oh, you know, like John taught his disciples to pray. But what was happening, they're with the Lord. He is praying. They're observing him pray. And then they're saying, wait a minute, we need to be taught how to pray. Now, they're disciples, they're with the Lord, but they came to a realization, wait a minute, my communication, my relationship with God, it doesn't look like that or sound like that. I mean, know what I'm saying. And so they literally said to, to Jesus, said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he said, okay, this is what you do. The first thing you say, the way you begin to pray is you say what? You say what? Our Father. Wow. Our Father. So last Sunday as we celebrated Easter, the whole purpose of Christ's coming, His death, burial, and resurrection, so God could move back again from being God to being Father. Because when He created Adam in the garden, He was Father. Adam was His Son. Are you with me? And the father and Adam walked in the voice of God in that fellowship. And it was that communion that we have. So Jesus came to restore this relationship. And as you go through the New Testament, you find, and, and we're going to look at a few scriptures here, and you're going to find that the one thing that Jesus emphasized over everything that he's trying to get across, and, and it's so different to anything that, that they had ever heard before in relationship with God, was to call God Father. Because I think about, he's my God, he's my Lord, he's my Savior, he's my healer, my Redeemer, my provider, he's all these things, he's all those things to us, but in, in, in totality, he is my Father, amen? He is my Father. And so this morning, I, I, I'm just asking the Lord, I've been praying all week, and I just sense there's a presence of God here that's a little bit different. And God wants to do something so special and so tangible in our lives. And I'm thankful for God when he shows up in these ways for what he wants to do. This is one of those areas where I feel very inadequate in speaking on this. So how do you convey this? But I, I, I just felt the Spirit of God tell me last week, get up and tell them I am yes. their Father. And this morning, I'm praying that by the Holy Spirit, that would be ignited and deposited in your spirit. Look at our verse. They have to put up there, Matthew chapter 6. But you, when you pray, and it's on your outline, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to who? Your Father, your father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will what? Reward you. So look at Jesus said, if you're going to pray, then go into the secret place with your father. Wow. 
Listen to the invitation and the declaration that Jesus just made to everybody. Now that's taken where he's speaking to the multitude. This isn't, a, this isn't a private lesson. This isn't a private time with just the 12, with just the apostles. There were times when Jesus would take them aside and explain the parables to him. He, he's not giving a private interpretation, a private explanation. He's sitting on the sermon. He's on the Mount of Olives. He's teaching the multitude and he's saying to every person in the sound of his voice, when you enter into prayer, Go into the secret place with your Father. Wow. I'm praying you get this this morning. That God makes this great deposit in your life with your Father. See, when we come to Christ, we accept Christ as our Savior and we are in Christ. Who is Jesus? He's the Son of God, isn't He? And so when I'm in Christ, who am I in? I'm in the Son. And so if I am in the Son, I am a son. Yes. Amen? And, 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 and if sonship, if being a son and a daughter of God ever gets inside of us, it changes everything. Amen? Look at this confession. I don't even know if it's a confession. I just put it down as a declaration but it says, my father, today I can declare with confident assurance that my father knows me, hears me, and loves me with an everlasting love. Today I choose to walk in the confidence that comes from knowing the love that the father has for me. That he has set his desire upon me and that I am the object of his love every moment of every day in every season and through every circumstance of my life. His mercy covers me, his grace provides for me, and his love directs my steps every day of my life. Amen? The father loves us. Look at Luke chapter 23 and verse 46. We have it up here. And it says, Jesus is on the cross and he's praying. And he cries out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Look what Jesus said. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. What an abandonment. What a trust in the Father. Look at what he's doing. He's getting ready to die, believing in the promise, in the love, in the provision, the protection of the Father that said, he will not leave me in hell. He says, he, he knows he is taking, he knows what is happening, that he is taking your sin, my sin upon him. And at the moment that he becomes sin for us, he knows that the Father is going to have to turn his back on him and he's going to send complete separation and abandonment from God. But the promise is that if he would carry our sin and if he would take that to the cross and to Calvary and take death, that God would not leave him in the grave. He he would not allow him to remain in that place, but he would resurrect. He has the promise of deliverance and resurrection. So at that point of giving up, he says, Father, into your hand, I commit my spirit. Now, if Jesus could do that, how much more could we trust our Father? That's the truth. When you know him as Father, 
You can trust. Think about all the little issues we pass through every day, and we pick them up. We worry over them. We frustrate over them. We have anxiety over them. We stress over them. And Jesus, instead of stressing on the cross, instead of entering, he just says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. What if we could do that? Look at your outline with me. The most profound declaration that Jesus made to those who heard him was that they were now able to call God their father. They're now able to call God their father. Think about that. He's always been known to them as God, as Elohim, the supreme God. If you look it up in the Old Testament, you get a concordance and you begin doing it. I like one of the apps on my iPad in the concordance because it actually lists when you look it up now uh, in that app. It shows you how many times those words are used. Elohim is used uh, over 2,000 times. And then you get to Yahweh, it's used over, or or Jehovah, used over 6,000 times when you get to Yah. So so in the names of God, over 10,000 times, God's name is referenced. And it's referenced in so many different ways, but not one time in the Old Testament is God called Father. Never. So up to this day, Jesus, on the Sermon on the Mount, when he begins to address the multitude, and he doesn't say, you're God. He says, you're Father. Wow. And what happens to us if this gets to us? And gets inside. It's so easy. We feel so sad. God, and God is elevated. He's the supreme God. He, he, he's the, 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 the all-potent one. He, he's everything. He's the creating that. But more than that, he is intimately your father. He is your father. And the moment you accept Christ, you are adopted into the family, into full sonship and daughtership with God. Amen. How are we doing all right? Wow. See, Jesus knew why he was here and where he was going, and that because of Calvary, we would be able to call God once again our Father, that we once again would be as in the beginning, the people of his voice. I want you to hear this this morning. You were meant to be a people that know your Father's voice. How many know, you know, we do it all the time. How many of you, when you call certain people that you know, tell them who it is? Not many of it. If you call somebody you know, you expect them to know your, to recognize your voice. You don't go, you know, Keith and I have been friends for almost 20 years. I don't call up Keith and I go, hey, Keith, this is done. I don't say that. I say, hey. Goes, hi, Pastor. How do you do that? How do you know? Because we know each other's voice. You know the voice of that person. And you and I were created to know the voice of our Father. Are you with me? Amen. Not just through the prophets, but in a loving and living relationship with our Father. What I mean by that? Yes, God sets men and women of God to speak into our lives. But that's not the only way we're supposed to be able to hear God's voice. 
God sends people to confirm his word, to establish his word, to declare his word, and, and, and to, to help us, to mentor us, to train us, to, to raise us up, to bring maturity into our life. And he brings his voice to us through people. But that's not the only way we're supposed to know his voice. We're not supposed to be relying just on other people to hear his voice for us. Amen. I reference it like this. You know, when we go into uh, uh, in families and stuff, my, my grandkid, Son has three sons. Jake's sitting here. So it, it's not up to Chase and Ben and, and, and that little great to come to Jake and said, hey, Jake, you're the oldest. Could you go talk to dad for us? You're the older. You've known dad longer. You have more experience. You know how to work him just right. Amen. You know how to get favors from dad. But see what happens in our relationship with God. We think that there's somebody. We think the pastor knows God better, has a better relationship with the father, knows how to get the father to do things for him, knows how to get answers from the father. And we think that if we ask him, he won't hear us. So we need somebody else to go ask for us. But Jesus didn't say that. He said to everybody equally, when you go into your closet, go to your father. Go to your father. Just put, just say it with me, my father. No, come on. Just, no, just say it real slow. My father. Now just think about that. My father. Now say it like this. God is my father. God is my father. <laughs> wow. Think about this. Moses standing before the burning bush. God says, Moses, go tell them that I'm delivering them. Moses goes, who shall I tell them sent me? Who, 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 who am I going to say sent me? That's what God says. God says, tell them I am. <clears throat> Think about that. God didn't say, tell them I'm their father and I'm redeeming them this day. He didn't say, tell them I'm their father and I'm bringing them out of bondage. Go tell them I am has sent me. Who's I am? Amen. How would you like to go through life with the name I am? What's your name? I am. It's a declaration, but it's not of relationship. It's of God. Do you understand that? And and, and it's not that personal, that intimate thing. Yes, he's over them. He's their deliverer. He's their protector. But tell them, say, I am has sent me. Look at this. Isaiah 54 and verse 4. It's here in your outline, 54 and verse 5. Your creator will be your husband, the Lord of heaven's army. Look, so now we're declaring who got it. Who is he? He's the Lord of heaven's armies. Is his name. Not father. What's God's name? The Lord of heaven's armies. Woo! Awesome. He is your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of all the earth, but not Father. See, prior to coming to the coming of Christ, God's name was considered so holy that it could not be spoken or written in its entirety. 
The Hebrews and the Jews, when they write God's name, they could write G underscore D. You can't put the, you can't write God because it is too holy to say God. His name is reverent. It is holy. It is undeclarable. He is Yah. And you can't say the whole name. You can't write it out. Or you, in their minds, you violate the holiness of his name. And then Jesus come and said, let, let me just mess with you a little bit. His name is no longer I am. His name is no longer just Elohim. He is that. But he who is the I am, he who is Elohim, he who is the sovereign Lord, he who is the creator of the universe is now declared as your father. And his name is father. How many know it's weird when a kid calls their father by their first name? Hey, George? No. You're supposed to call him Father. Do you understand that? And what it references. And so now the name of God is declared to us as Father. Now Jesus declares to all that we are to call him Father. Why? Because he is a holy God. He could not embrace us. He could only provide a covering for us. But now, somebody say, but now. Just think about that now. So before Christ, all God could do, he provided the blood, he provided this, he provided sacrifice so that his holiness would not consume them. But now through Christ, we've been redeemed. We no longer need a covering. We know everything's been wiped out. And now relationship has been fully restored. How many know the love of our parents is not supposed to be performance-based? That as parents, we love our children because and only because they are our children. And we love them good, bad, or indifferent. Amen? Does it mean we're always satisfied with them? Not really. But it means we love them always as our child. Does it mean at times we have to deal with them in ways we didn't have to? Absolutely. The same way God deals with us. But it never changes the fact that they are our children and our love for them is not based on performance. Hallelujah. It's based upon the fact that they came from us. Do you understand that? And in Christianity, we get so performance-based instead of understanding relationship with God. And so now his holiness has been satisfied by the sacrifice of his only son, opening the door of redemption and restoration of sonship to us. See, prior to Calvary, God could not be our father until our redemption had been completed. And redemption could only come, excuse me, come through the seed, his son, and now relationship has changed. What does that mean? That Adam's, God said to Adam and Eve in the garden, and he said to the serpent that the seed... He said to the woman, your seed shall bruise his head. Amen. Are you with me? And so until that seed came, he could be God, but he couldn't be father again. 
So all this time, down through the century and down through the millennium, God has been separated until the redemptive seed came. But what we celebrated last week is that redemption has come, and we're no longer just approaching a God who was separated from us by sin. But now, because of Christ, because of Calvary, because of the resurrection, He is our Father. Look at the Romans 8 says this. For the spirit which you have received, look at this, is not a spirit of slavery to put you once more in bondage to fear. But you have received what? The spirit of adoption producing what? Sonship. In the bliss of which, listen, I love the Amplified, listen, in the bliss of which. Being in Christ, there should be bliss, overwhelming joy. Come on, we've received a spirit of adoption and sonship, producing sonship in the bliss of which we cry, Abba, Father. The word Abba just means that, Father. The definition of Abba is Father. Wow. Does that mean, it, people say, well, it means Papa God. Papa is, is, a, is a, a slang term for Father. Daddy, all those other things. But Father is literally what it means. Jesus in the garden, he was praying, and he says, Abba, if there be any other way, Father, if there is any other way, amen, calling out to the Father, do you see that, that this relationship has now been made available to us? Think about this. It's now your Father's heart and will for you to hear His voice walking with you daily. I wish I could get us to see that I'm praying for this all week and believing God for this today. That something literally gets deposited inside of the reality. God came walking in the garden and the voice of the Lord, Genesis 3, I believe, and the voice of the Lord came walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And listen to what the voice of God said. He said, Adam, where are you? And then he said, Adam, who told you? See, where you are with God always depends on the voice you're listening to. Where you are in relationship with your God, with your Father, will always depend on the voice you are listening to. How do we fall out of relationship with our parents? We start having friends that are bratty, parent, bratty kids that don't like their parents. And we start listening to other people talk about their terrible relationship with their parents and bad-mouthing parents and talking down parents and talking down, da, 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 my dad this and my mom that. Da, 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 da. And next thing you know, you're getting an attitude You've been affected by their bitterness. And it's influencing your relationship with your father and your mother. The ones who love you. The ones you came from. Because another voice. And many of us as parents have asked our kids. We see things rising up in our kids. We go, who are you hanging out with? How many experience that with your children growing up? And you know that there's another voice other than your voice 
speaking to them. And it's a voice of contradiction. It's a voice of accusation. Amen? And how many know children don't understand that parent, all the stuff that parents have to do to provide for all of their needs? Children don't understand it. And so for us as children of God, we don't understand everything that God has to do to provide for us. And so it's easy to listen to voices of people who are disgruntled with their heavenly father. Well, you know, I believe God. I trust God. I know he did blah, 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 blah. And then, you're, okay, who, who told you? Where are you? Where are you in your relationship? Let me, I'm just asking you this morning, my friend. Where are you in your relationship with your father? And if it is not in an intimate place, if you're not intimate with the voice of your father, then who has been talking to you? Whose voice have you been hearing? Whose voice has moved you into choices that break fellowship and bring separation and expose a nakedness and a shame about you where you no longer feel confident and open in the presence of your father? Who was Adam hiding from? His father. Wow. Are you with me this morning? Woohoo! Hey there, watch it. Write this down on your outline someplace. There will always be the voice of the deceiver. You will never get away from the voice of the deceiver. There will always be the voice of the deceiver coming to you. His number one goal is to break your relationship with your father. He hates your father. There is a voice of one who hates your father. And he hates you because you're his child. And he wants to destroy the relationship that you have with your father. And he will always bring a voice of accusation against your father to you. To cause you to distrust, to disbelieve. To feel like you're not recognized, like you're not worthy, everything. And every one of those is a lie. Are you with me this morning? Amen. See, in the New Testament, he is still referred to as God, as Theos. But now through redemption, he is our father. What does that mean? That means making us his children, for he has made the open declaration of his ownership in our creation, declaring to all his acceptance of the responsibility of fatherhood over us. You know what happens today? See, through, through redemption, he is our father. And when Jesus declares your father, what does that mean? A father takes ownership for the children that he births into the earth. A father takes ownership for provision, for protection, for a covering, for instruction. Are you with me? That's what a father does. And that's why today we have what we call a deadbeat dad. A deadbeat dad is a man who only produces offspring but takes no different from them. Takes no responsibility for them. No, that is your child. And because you birthed that child, that child is now your responsibility for their entire life. You're connected to them for life, for life. Are you with me? Their need is now your need. 
Do you understand that? When you have children and they're born, their need is now your need. Not somebody else's need, not somebody else to take care of. And God is the perfect father. And so when you are adopted by God and you're given the spirit and and brought into the sonship, God declares your need is now my need. And now Paul declares, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Glory to God. Oh my goodness. I pray that I'm helping you this morning. I said, God, how do I pre- tell them I'm their father? Oh, that's easy for you to say. <laughs> I, I tell God that sometimes. He's actually pre- I said, well, that's nice. How do I do that? How do you communicate this? How do you impart a truth that is so liberating, so true, yet so simple and so profound that we, it's so hard for us to wrap our hearts around it, let alone our minds? So think about that. This declaration making a show, he's declaring his acceptance of responsibility and fatherhood over the parental covering of provision, protection, guidance, and care, and with an inheritance in his will. You've been written into the will of God. Amen. How many know there's discouragements that come in life? Amen. With parents, and, and I wish every parent was a perfect parent, but that isn't the way it works. Because sometimes we're children of broken people. Sometimes people are born into the lives of broken people. Sometimes broken people have children. And sometimes broken people never see the, the, the redemption and the restoration and the healing that they need. So all they can do is have relationship out of their brokenness. And broken people can't make other people whole. That's why I try, try to tell people in relationship. You, 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 many times people come together because they have the same pain in their past. Well, that's okay, but unless, unless you both have been made whole, two brokes don't make one whole. Do you understand that? You can only minister and complete somebody out of wholeness, not out of brokenness. And Jesus came and ministered to us out of wholeness. And what we're invited into, what we enter into with him, we enter into his wholeness. Are you doing all right? Glory to God. So watch that. The knowledge of the Father's love is the first and simplest truth. Look at that. But it is also the last and the highest lesson that we learn. I said this Tuesday night, and we think about that. As, as, as a pastor and stuff, when I get around, I listen to people pray. I listen to people talk about God. And I listen a lot for one term. How often his name is mentioned as Father. When we're praying. He's Lord God, he's O God, he's great God, he's almighty God, he's everything. But Jesus said, when you pray, say, my Father. Are you with me? If you just went through the rest of this day, every time you thought about God, say, my Father. 
God is my Father. Amen. Just to say, Father, help. See, for some of that, that's hard. Because growing up, when we needed our fathers to help, they weren't there. And so to believe that there is a father who would help when we ask, it's hard to cross that bridge. Are you with me? Amen. So given a lifetime of devotion, it will still require an eternity for us to fully comprehend what it truly means to know the father's love. See, it's hard to relate to God as father when you did not have a good father to relate to. It becomes too easy to fall into the trap of filling the void of fatherlessness and intimacy with counterfeits and substitutes that still leave a void of emptiness in our life. See, everything we try to put in our life to make up for a father not being there doesn't fill the void. There's no substitute. And we do that because of our broke through our brokenness, we're afraid to trust again. Jesus, in his first recorded sermon, declares the fatherhood of God 16 times to the multitude. In the Sermon on the Mountain, 16 times in three chapters, 10 times in Matthew chapter 6 alone, he says, your father, your father, your father, your father, your father. 10 times in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus emphasizes, not God, but your father. Even to the point, take no thought for what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, where you're going to live. Your father knows that you need all these things. Wow. And if we could embrace that, that knowledge of the father love, that simple yet hard truth, if we get that, it makes a difference. See, if we are ever, ever able to grasp with our hearts that being in Christ and receiving Him as our Savior means that we are now the sons and daughters of God and that He is truly our Father, everything will change. I'm telling you, my friends, this morning, if you get this of the Father, I'm telling you, I'm just, I'm pleading with you. Last Sunday, God says, tell them, I am their Because if I get it with the impact of the truth of who he is, everything changes. Amen. Yes, we're joint heirs with Christ, with the reward of his inheritance. But we are also fully equal as sons and daughters. Look at this next scripture. Look at this. It's in your outline there. It's a little small upon because I put the whole thing on one slide. But listen to the Amplified Bible, what Paul declares in Galatians chapter 4. But when the proper time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born subject to the regulations of the law, to purchase the freedom. Everybody say, purchase the freedom. To purchase the freedom, to ransom, to redeem, and to atone for. So God sent his son to purchase your freedom, to ransom you, and to atone for you. So that in doing so, why? So that in doing so, that those who were subject to the law, that we might be adopted and have what? Sonship conferred upon us. Wow. 
Come on. What would you, it's conferred upon you. Would you do nothing? God loved you so much that he gave his only begotten son that he would confer upon you. The position of sonship. Look at this. And be recognized as God's son. It was funny, yesterday at lunch, I, I made a connection with a pastor friend of mine, Dennis Reynolds, who was pastoring. We came here in 1989 at Pollock Pines Christian Life Center up there, and he was pastor up there. He left in, in 1996, or 1997 he left, and uh, went to Brentwood. He's been there ever since. And, uh, but I haven't seen him for a lot of years, and that, so we re, I haven't seen him since he left in 97. So we reconnected yesterday at the men's conference, and we're having lunch. And then we're talking to this other gentleman while we're at lunch, this young man, and it turns out he's the son of a pastor from over in Fremont, and, and the dad's name is Tim. And so then Dennis introduced, oh, this is Tim's dad, and the dad just goes, yeah, that's me. I'm just Tim's dad. That's my identity. I'm, re- I'm recognized as Tim's dad. Amen. And so it is awesome, but, but, but think about that. But you are recognized as God's child. When people see you, they see you as God's child. And more than that, when God sees you, he sees you as his very own child. You're recognized by the Father as his child. And because you really are, get this, and because you really are, come on, just say this, I really am. Glory to God. So, Pastor, why are you so emphatic about it? Because I've listened over all these years. People go, well, I, I, we, we had a, a dear lady in our church. She go, I, I just don't feel like God loves me anymore. Wait a minute. You really are his daughter. He really loves you. Well, I just don't feel his love. Love is not a feeling. It's an act of will. And God has willed to love you. He willed to love you so much that he paid the price to bring you into family with him. And to confer whatever it would cost to be able to confer his adoption over you. He fully paid that price because of his will to love us. God has sent the Holy Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, we are no longer a slave and bondservant, but a son. And if a son, then it follows that you are an heir by the aid of God through Christ. Woo! Amen? So let me ask you this. What would happen if we could really believe that our Heavenly Father hears us always? What would happen if you believed that your Father hears you always? How that change, how would that change your relationship with God and your outlook on everyday life? See, I I put it on the front in that little confession that no matter what storm, what circumstance, what season I'm in, God is my father, and his love has been conferred upon me. I am his child. Amen? Look what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 9 through 11. Listen, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Listen to what Jesus is saying. This is the last place in the Sermon on the Mount that, that he mentioned. Listen to that. He said, if he gives them, if, you, if they ask you for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? 
What's the answer? No. These are rhetorical questions. No. Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, oh, say those next three words real loud. No, say them real loud. How, if, if us, with all of our faults, with, with, with all of our inadequacies, all of the things that we come short in and we mess up in, if we can fathom doing good and we do our best to do good, how much more? My prayer for you this morning is that gets deposited on the inside of you. How much more? Will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? Now, what's the qualifier in that verse? Nothing (laughs) except asking. Amen? Do I have to say it exactly the right way? No. Let me just say, let, let, let me put this verse to you another way. How many of you have the same religious restrictions on providing for your children that you think God has on providing for you? Do you understand what I just said? We think there's so many restrictions. You have to pray just the right way. You have to ask just the right way. You have to have the right faith. You have to do this. Everything has to be done. Da 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 da. And, and but so if you had all those requirements to receive applied to your children, your children would just sit in the corner and go, they they wouldn't even know how to approach you. How how do you receive? I I don't know. I don't know if I'm asking right. Is there a right way to ask? Do I ask this way? Do do I have to phrase it just right? Do do I have to be very holy? Amen? Now watch. John chapter 11 So they took the stone away, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Yes, I know that you always hear me and listen to me. Please look up here. God always hears you. Your Father always hears you. He always listens to you. Paul wrote in Romans and he says, he who did not spare his own son, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up on the cross for us all, how shall he not also with him freely give you all things? And Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount is trying to get it to the people. Your Father, your Father, if you ask, He hears you. And if you, being evil, know how to do anything good, your Father is so much more willing to do good for you. The worship team comes back. Right now, I want you to think of the very best earthly father you have ever known. Maybe he was yours. Maybe he was a friend's. Maybe it was a man you met through church or school. However and whoever he is, think of the tenderness and love with which he regards the requests of his children, granting with joy every reasonable request they make of him. 
Now think of the Father love of God and how much more He desires to show His love to you. And let the reality of that love be shed abroad in your heart today. If you've had the best father in the world has ever known, just think how much more there is for you to know of your heavenly father's love for you. Some people say, my dad was the best. Other people have different stories. But no matter how great or how bad your dad was, your heavenly father is so much more. And he wants you to know that. Maybe you're like me and you waited your whole life for the love of your natural father to be assured in your life. But because of brokenness in his life, it wasn't there to give. If your life has been broken and wounded by the void of a father's love, today you can know the father's love. For you is so much more than even the best earthly father could ever give if you just allow God in all of his greatness and love to be a father to you. Would you just bow your heads with me this morning? I asked him to sing this song. I'm just going to ask you to stand right where you are. And I know there might be somebody here this morning that it is just hard for you to think of. The overwhelming love of the Father. But He is your Father. He's redeemed you through His Son. So that you can come back into relationship with Him. And many of us, we've been saved, but, but this re, the reality, the living reality of the voice of the Father speaking to us, revealing Himself to us, but His heart being so open to us and our access to Him being unrestricted and unlimited. I'm praying as they lead us in worship here just for a moment. That by the Holy Spirit, this truth and this reality would set down on the inside of you and mark a change in your life. Would you just worship the Lord with me for this next moment? And just worship Him as your Father. And let His love invade your heart and your life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Yes, you are, Father. Yes, Father. Yes. 